Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. This is episode 36 and I am back joined with Chris Cottrell. Now that all the restrictions are starting to lift, I was able to get back in the room with him and do an episode face-to-face. I much prefer doing these. There's a much better connection and obviously the sound quality and the audio is much better. Obviously, we still stayed our distance apart, 1.5 meters, but we were able to sit down and have a chat, which was really, really good. Now, in this episode, we're going to be talking about winter cod tactics in rivers. So, we're talking about river cod. We're going to talk about the approach, the key conditions, and a plenty of different things that will help you out on the water. Now, if you've never chased winter cod, this is a great episode for you. If you're looking to maybe better your fishing in rivers in winter, if you're you're struggling to get fish or if you're keen to give it a crack this winter, we're going to share a few tips that may help you out on the water. Now, if you've done this for quite some time and you do it a lot, you probably already know all of this stuff. Uh, We're going to be bringing it right back to those key fundamentals for winter fishing. So, say you've done fishing in river systems in the warmer months and you've caught fish, you just slightly need to change your approach and the way you fish and we're going to give you our opinions of how we do it. There's a really exciting episode, really timely as well now that we're coming in to June, July, August, we're coming to those cooler months. So, for those of you who are bank walking, who don't have access to a boat or if you've got a small boat and you don't fish the big impoundments, I know we've talked a lot about big cod in dams uh, because it is a very unknown but a very popular style of fishing for many anglers but we still want to touch on everything so there's something out there for all of you guys and that's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to talk about fishing in river systems for those of you who are in a kayak, a boat or off the bank. Now, what we do touch on in this episode is how the season changes. So, how the fish activity changes and what happens as the water cools down in the whole system. Then we're going to talk about key areas to target in winter and how you should approach uh, your fishing, so your angling approach. Uh, Then we're going to touch on what is actually a good session for winter, um, how many fish and hits should you be getting, your retrieve speed and the number of casts you should do in winter based on our opinions, lure choice, a little bit on lure choice. Then we're going to touch on the best weather conditions and patterns and then also what conditions shut the fish down and when you should avoid, you know, spending lots of time on the water based on certain conditions that can ruin fishing for quite some time in winter and then we're going to talk about the best months in winter to fish. It's a good episode, it's a good length, nice and jam-packed with plenty of content. So guys, I'm super pumped to have Chris back in the room with me. So without further ado, let's jump in and talk to Chris Cottrell about winter cod tactics in rivers. Good everyone and welcome back to another episode. I'm here with Chris, mate. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Thanks podcast. Thanks for inviting me along, man. I'm loving this. It's good to sit down and chat in there. Every single time we sit down and talk is something exciting and when we, when we get to the end of it, we're like, oh, that was good that fun. That was a good you, chat. You just don't know where it's going to go. No, it's generally where we go. Oh, let's start with a nice, you know, just take you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, an hour and a half later and we're like, oh, wow, that was awesome. So well, A couple of them have gone like that. Yeah. 
Now, so today's topic, as you would know, we're going to be talking about winter cod tactics on river systems. So we're talking mm. about fishing for cod in yep. the winter time mm-hmm. in rivers. How do we do it? What do we do? What techniques do we use? How do the fish change behavior, the approach, things yep. like that? Yep. Um, first of all, it's a tough style of fishing. Um, it, it, it's much harder than your summer fishing. Your yep. conditions are harder on you. The fishing is slower in terms of numbers of fish, yep. but the reason we do it is because of the quality of fish. Yep. Uh, and that's the whole reason why we do it. So we're gonna touch on a few different things. Obviously now is winter time. We're looking at, you know, June, we're in June, and then we've also got July, uh, we've got August. We're going to touch on what times the key times through now. Yeah. Um, but May is also another period where you can classify it as like coming into winter, and yeah. May can be really good crossover between the active April fishing mm. mixed with the the cooler, bigger fish starting to show up. You, you get those, those, uh, that last minute sort of spurt of feeding frenzy, and like- it can be. Probably some of the best fishing, actually. Yeah, I, I did, a, I did a, um, a session last May uh, on the Bidgee, and I racked up between three of us 53 fish for the day. Um, that yeah, was probably good. the most insane cod fishing I've ever experienced. Yeah. And um, then you get two weeks later, get a cold snap and... All rain. Yeah, and we're back We're back to our normal preview. So. Mid, to, mid to late May can be, or any time in May, mm. can yield some of the best activity with the cross of catching fish of 40 centimetres up to metre fish, yep. clear waters, active fish, not freezing cold water temperatures. No. So first of all, let's, let's talk about the chain tactics. How has everything changed now? So now we've gone, you go from fishing summer or fishing just your standard, we'll call it standard way that yep. everyone just fishes, yep. to now fishing in winter we've got to change but what happens to the fish as a summary for those who don't know explain what happens to the whole system and the yeah. fish <clears throat> so in, in summertime it's it's, a, it's really a time of plenty and you know if, for a lure fisherman um you can nearly throw any sort of style of lure say a spinnerbait or a hard body or a surface lure and you know and feel very very confident that you'll get a fish um we in in summer months we get a, a, a large a, a large influx of what I call ratfish. You know, your smaller fish, your golden perch. There's there's yabbies, there's shrimp. Everything's out, so everything's feeding, and it's relatively easy to get a fish because they're already up and around. Water temperature's high, and they're cruising around. They're looking for a feed. Yeah. And you can, and, you know, you can go a summer night topwater, and you, you can belt you know seven or eight fish relatively easily. So in some places, I know in my home stretch on the river, um, you know, you know, nice hot summer night, we got cicadas buzzing around. You know, it's nothing for me to get buffed four or five times. Mm-hmm. Winter time, a massive shift. We start to see a lot of our prolific uh, bait sources sort of diminish or vanish. So, so do they die or do they just just hide? Hibernate, basically, yeah. So, um, like, for example, your shrimp and your yabbies, they, they either burrow down or they, they hibernate. We know they obviously don't all die because they're back again next season. But they totally disappear. They totally disappear. Can't catch them. Nah. Can't see them. Um, so there's very there's few or no numbers of that bait around. You don't tend to see those mouthing carp. They they, they pretty much mm. all but vanish. You will still see them in 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 sun warmed areas, but that will t- we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in regards to winter tactics and you know areas we need to look for for bait. Um, but we do tend to see a shift in um, baits, uh, different types of bait. Um, if you're in the larger rivers of your Murray and your Murrumbidgee, or you know, you start seeing schools of bony brim will start to will start to congregate in your winter months. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to see 
the spiny craze will start coming out, you know. And they become a food source. And they become a, and they become a food source. Those armored tank, you know, big white claws, massive bodies are probably one of the biggest food sources for Murray cod. Um, and you'd look at that going, you know, I wouldn't even want to, you don't want to hold it, let alone swallow it, but yeah, yeah. Murray cod, love them. Um, and then we have to start identifying other food sources that for hungry fish um, become a real possibility, you know, you know, especially big Murray cod. So the big key thing is a lot of the smaller fish tend to drop right off. Yeah. Golden perch, they still feed, but they tend to be, once again, it tends to be the larger fish you tend to get. Yeah. And the the big kegs. Yeah, yeah. The winter the winter golden perch you catch generally thumpers. They're mm-hmm. absolute donkeys. Agree. And Murray cod, much the same. You don't tend to get that as much as that smaller run of Murray cod. You tend to get those really, really big, big fish. And there's a lot of conjecture as to why the big fish still hunt or hunt more prolific, whether or not it's their metabolism doesn't stop, so they have to keep feeding. Uh, we're about to smaller fish, they tend to shut right down. But these big fish um, in wintertime, they still hunt, and the ones we do get all tend to be a lot larger. So the food sources, you know, they chase down, especially Murray cod. You know, a duck on the water by no means is, you know, too big of a... Mm, a it's not too big. No. And if you're looking for a feed that's going to last you all wintertime, one duck or one turtle or one platypus or one water rat, you know, that's fair game. So when we look at that in respect to our lures and everything else, and our approach has to change. I would say I would say that the fish are not as active in winter as they are in summer, but no. because there is so much food around in summer, mm. your lure or your bait that's there very rarely mm. isn't as appealing no. as it is in the winter time. No. And the, I don't know, maybe maybe I could be wrong. Some people might say that those big fish do actually become more active than they do in the summer. Maybe in the middle of summer they're real lethargic, but there's periods in the warmer months where they are going, like they are active, but there's that much food around. Yeah. Whereas now winter, there is less food. There's less food moving. So they've got to move to find their food. All of a sudden, your lure is one of five things they see for the day rather than one of a hundred. Well, you have a think about it. If you so see, you catch them. If you see carp moving up and down a bank, and you know carp are, are really good, uh, you know, example. They'll, they'll, they will mooch up and down the bank. They'll go around rocks and logs and cruise. If you're a hungry waiting cod, and you've got that much food moving up and down the system, all you would have to do is sit there and wait. Wait, yeah, exactly. So when that food is no longer there, when that abundance is gone, you either sit and starve or you get up, move and hunt. So that's when we start to see that, you know, you know these big fish, they seem to be like, and you know, talking to people like Kobe Lesko or, you know, talking to anglers like Clinton, talking about how these fish roam and shift. You know, it, it's starting to really make sense why we're starting to see these really big fish in waterways in places where we'd never thought they'd be, like big sandy banks or, or vacant areas where they're up and about and they're prospecting and they're looking for a feed. Mm. In the summer months, you may not get that because they don't have they to don't shift. They don't to have that. to move. They can just sit there and just wait for the next feed. Yeah, so as a good metaphor, to put it as a metaphor, in the summer, it's like the sushi trains go on and the restaurants open. It's like they close for winter and the sushi train's off. Mm. The food's still sitting on the train, but they've got to get up and, and you've got to get go to find, you get your food. That's, that's, that's a really good metaphor. I just thought of that while you were talking away. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's what it's like. So therefore your lure becomes fair game and then you've got this big fish on the hunt, bang, you just catch a huge cod. Mm. Why doesn't that happen in summer? Well, they're still active. Whether it, Whatever the reason, yeah. that you're going to have more chance of getting them, especially with big lures, yeah. and they're gonna have them more active in the winter. So that's yeah. that's the reason we fish in the winter time. One, because uh, I myself having a love for fishing, wouldn't want to fish for not fish for four months of the year. That just sounds dumb to me. And, and, that, but, and that used to be when I was growing up. That was the thing. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm serious. Like Rod McKenzie was probably in Gustora were the first two people who cracked a winter time fishing for cod. And I can even remember the article coming out, and it's and he's sitting there fishing in the middle of winter. He's holding a big meter. I'm like, I'm sorry, but in the, in the summertime, my rods are going up in the in, in the locker, and that was it for me. I was going chasing trout. No one chased winter cod. No, it was blaring used to be empty. It was done. I'm saying 2013, 2014, <clears throat> blaring was empty. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I got that big one, that 125 up there. We were, it was June long weekend. There was like two boats. That was 2016. Was, so 2016 was the big boom yep. uh, at Blaring. 2015, I fished it hard. I actually got a full season in there before many fish, and there weren't many there. And 2014, uh, no, it's 2015 is when you got your meter in. Jack got his metery, and the, the place was empty. Yeah. That was... Uh, June long weekend. Yeah, no, the 2015, the whole winter was empty. And yeah. then when we were up there, we thought it'd be packed June. There's no one there. No. There's no one there. Now. All that year and towards the end of the year, it started to pick up. And then 17, 18, 19, this whole big winter cod thing is just gone it's mental. Gone, it's gone absolutely burk over. So it? they do feed. Yeah, absolutely. Same, and the same thing goes in the rivers that they do in the dam. The Murray is probably the go-to river to fish in winter. Yeah. And you see some of the fish that Colby and Lubin catch out of the Murray is just ridiculously insane mm. and it's winter time he doesn't fish I talked to him in podcast he doesn't fish the summer months he goes and chases trout soon as now now it's cold he's on the river he's throwing big top water he's fishing for big cod it's the opposite it used to be let's fish yeah, all summer right. and put the rods away now it's let's put the rods away in the summer this is when he's chasing big fish yeah. so they're out and feeding yep. so if we're chasing them the fish are fe- thinking different and you actually have to think that these fish are actively feeding so don't always think structure hey no no and that's the thing we've we've sort of we're, we're coming to get our head around now, especially in low light times, um, during the during the heat of the during the day, um, a, a few things sort of changed for me, which I think will help um, in, increase your bite. Um, so during low light, we, we know these fish move, especially if you're chucking big top water early morning, late afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's not a case of there's a log, I'm going to prospect next to that, and that's where that fish will be. Mm-hmm. Um, we now we now scour, we now spread that out, and we look at active hunting areas like shallow clay banks, reedy edges. We're looking at areas where, in summertime, we wouldn't even think about chucking a lure. Yeah, yeah. You got to think of places where those bony brim or where those lethargic carp are sitting. Yep. And some so, of those things, you go. What were you going to say? Yeah, well, that's that's exactly right. So, for example, for those carp and those bait fish, where they might find it the most comfortable, like. I remember one time we were fishing moored and we fished at summertime and we were trolling this outside edge, four and a half metres of water, beautiful, beautiful edge. We were running 120 mil AC invaders down deep and we donked oh, about a dozen cod. And I think the, the smallest one was probably 76 uh, all the way up to a metre. Caught heaps of them. We went back there in June. We did the exact same run 
And back even back in the day when we had very basic sounders, there was nothing, absolutely nothing on the sounder. No bait. No bait. We could not, and the, and the structure was just basically riddled with timber. Like it was a labyrinth. It was the, and you sit there, you feel your little grinding over the top. You're like, I'm going to get nailed. We did this for two days, absolutely nothing. To one point where I've gone around the corner, I've turned the boat around. I said, I'll stuff it. I'm just going to cut through the inside, start the run again. Went through in four foot of water, bang, got my first cod. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? What was that fish doing there? Two degrees difference in water temperature yeah. and bony brim. Yeah, sitting so, on the flats. Exactly right. So these fish had, they were sitting on the inside edge. Yeah. The sun had hit this inside edge for the longest part of the day. The water temperature was warmer. The bait was there. So were the cod. Yeah. Like during summertime, those those cod, I'm talking, they were good sized cod. Yeah, yeah. They would there's no way in the world they'd sit on that sand flat. No, exactly. But the bait was there, the temperature was there. So looking at these little key aspects in wintertime, you know, looking at your sounder if you've got it, going, right, it's two or three degrees warmer here, mm-hmm. the bait's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, could be it could be something as, as simple as like you said, looking for the schools of bony rim or looking for where you're gonna find the craze. That's where you're gonna find your cod. So in low light periods, so when you go out a day, when you go out for a session on the river, you're fishing in winter, that doesn't mean go fish your sticks, fish your timber. No. You still fish your timber. The fish are still sitting there. But one thing to think about early morning, late in the afternoon, instead of fishing heavy timber, maybe look at an inside bend and fish the timber on the top and the bottom of the yep. inside bend or cast your surface lure along that shallow reedy edge or along that sand bank, especially if it's got, you know, before the sun hits it because um, they'll spook. They still want want that reassurance and cover. But first light, light, they might be in there feeding for carp. And I know a few of the guys who do it on the Murray and get some big fish fishing those shallower banks. So fish reedy edges, the top and the bottom of of a sandbar, and just see what results you get in winter. Do that for the morning session just for an hour. Mm. On surface lures, probably the best to use yeah, there because they attract the fish, they bring them in, yep. and you can cover it properly. A hard body's going to hit the bottom, and a spinnerbait's just going to have to wind too quick. Yep. Top water. And then once the day gets on, that's when you want to move to structure because they will still be sitting on the structure, and mm. those ones that are on the sandbars will retreat to structure. Yep. And some of them will still be hungry if oh, they abso- didn't get a absolutely. feed. Absolutely. And that's, and that's when, when that sun's up, that's when I start to look for, um, that's where I start looking at from a water temperature, two or three degrees difference. You know, your afternoon bite in that sunlight hours tends to be a little bit better because that water temperature does rise a little bit. You know, if, you're, if you've got eight degrees water, you jump up to 10 or 11, that, that's, and you've got good quality structure, and even, and even God, you know, if you've got bay there as well, it's a really, really good place to sit there and focus on. When, what you use there too is also key. You know, leave those small lures, those 80 mils, those, mm. those, 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 those summer lures which would get engulfed by absolutely anything, leave them back in the tackle box. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said with the sushi tray, and these, the, food has, the, the food is not coming anymore, so you know, they've got to get up and, and they've got to chase it down. But if they're on that structure and you run an 80 mil past their, past their nose, I swear to God they evaluate it. They go, right, yeah, well... It's not worth my effort. Well, if I get up and I've got my body mass, I've just accrued this all summer stocking up, I am hungry but I am cold, is it worthwhile me possibly losing that energy and that body mass trying, trying to, to chase down that chicken nugget when I could run you know, a 150 mil AC invader that's slowly wobbling along 
that's worthwhile eating. Mm. You know? The other thing is too, it wouldn't look natural because there's nothing else small in the system. No. So there's nothing else that little swimming past at that speed, no. it's not natural. Whereas if there's something big, mm. there's still platypus in the water, yep. there's still ducks on the surface, there's still big carp mooching around yep. here and there. Yep. There's, you know, and, and that's another thing is you retrieve, you gotta match what, what's going on. So that's yep. another thing where you retrieve might need to slow down just a touch. Slow it down and, and a lot of pauses make it erratic, make it look like it's an injured bait fish. If it goes in and out of the, the strike zone too quick, you know, you've, you've really got to sort of, you know, swoon these fish. You've really got to put the time in. Make Do as much as you possibly can. You know, you could be spending a lot of time on the water trying to get a big fish in winter time. You know, you want to make sure that every cast counts. If you get in the monotonous rhythm of just casting, retrieving, casting, retrieving, and not thinking while your lure's down there, um, you know, you will waste a lot of time and not catch a lot. So... For me, one of my, you know, one, like keying into what's going on in the system, one of the best lures that we had um, down the lower Bidgee was a 120mm AC Invader in bony brim pattern. Yeah, I could run that exact same lure in any other colour or any other pattern, and I would not get a touch, but that silver lure, especially when those schools of fish are around, holy God, now it just got annihilated. But it was generally nine times out of ten once we brought that lure through that school of bait, and it was separate away from those fish, and it was a stop-start sort of retrieve, a lot of pauses, bang, you get nailed. Mm. So it's it's much the same as a thinking game when it comes down to chasing impoundment cod. They're, they're, they're no different. You know, there's a lot of pauses, there's a lot of stops. Um, gives them a time to go, that's an injured bait fish, or I've got an opportunity now to hit that, hit that lure. Now, guys, I just want to take a quick break from this episode to talk to you about the social fishing maps. Now, the social fishing maps are something we created based on all the questions that we've been asked by you guys over the last few years. So, we've been asked heaps of questions. We get messages. You're probably someone who sent through a message asking, what's the best thing to do here? What techniques should I use at this lake? For, say, for example, blaring or where should I be fishing on the river? Where can I access water? And it was a reoccurring question. You guys have no idea how many questions we get sent regarding regarding fishing content and what, where to go and what to do and what's biting and we wanted to do something to help you guys because I can't answer all of those questions because I'm not always fishing all those spots but I did my best to answer those questions as best I could. If you never got a reply from me, I do apologize. We just get a massive influx of questions but I did our best to get back to you. Now, it wasn't the best way to answer your guys' questions. So, what we have created is the social fishing maps inside the social fishing membership. And this is an answer, a much better answer than me answering back to all your questions. You can do your research because we have created maps that give you access points, key fishing spots. You know, even if you're bank fishing or on a kayak, it gives you access points of where you can get in and where are some key bank fishing spots and where you can actually put a kayak in and fish, camping areas and also different techniques and tips for those specific waterways. At the minute, at the time of this podcast, we have four different lakes with four maps up and available. We have Lake Mawala, Eildon, Blowering and Ngambi Lakes in Victoria, but we are continually adding more content. We're going to build up Copeton, 
Burrinjuk, Windermere, Wyangala, uh, Burrindong, all those big lakes. And then we're going to move on to the river systems. If you're just a river fisher, in the not too distant future, we're going to have access points for all of those rivers. So this here will give you that content of where to go. But all these spots or a lot of these spots, these major spots will have reports. So we'll have local anglers writing reports. So I can report on areas that I fish quite often, but I can't tell you about, say, Copedon when I've, I don't fish up there. We're going to have local anglers in these areas writing reports to help you guys. We're going to build a big social network, a big community to help you guys catch fish. So if you're someone who wants to learn, wants more information to just help you guys get out there and catch more fish, check out the social fishing maps at socialfishing.com.au. You can check it out as well as all the other content we produce. Check it out. It is inside the membership and the membership itself has a whole heap of other content. Just want to touch on that guys. Now let's get back to the episode with Chris. And if you're fishing in a river, the, the size of the fish in winter, I'm going to say it depends on the system you're fishing, mm. but about that 70 centimetre plus is what you're looking at, yeah. 80 centimetre. If you're in a small waterway, that you'll still find 70, 80 centimetre cod there, the big models, well, that's yeah. what you'll find. And if you're fishing, say, somewhere that's a decent-sized river that's got you know, a good range of fish, you'll see them from that 70, 80, 90 metre, and then obviously the Murray, you're looking at your metre plus fish. Mm. Now... In winter, you're going out and fishing, no matter what the waterway is, well, it depends. It depends on your section of water and what's in there, but the quality or the numbers of fish that you should be expecting to get, like I've talked to Colby and, and, yeah. and um, Lubin about fishing on the Murray, one hit for the tri- uh, one hit for a day is, is a good day. So they're getting one good hit from a big fish. So you've got to have that mindset of, all right, I'm going to go for a session. If I can get one hit, if I stick it, that's a success. Mm. In saying that, there's some other systems like the Bidgee and some of the spots that we fish yeah. uh, where you probably, a good day is probably three fish, say three nice cod, but then there's another section of Bidgee we fish which is full of trout, cod and yellows. And, and in get, winter, you should actually be getting about like there's a ten, 10 fish. 10 fish days. Because they're a different fish, so we're not talking about them, but we're talking Murray cod. If you can get one to three hits for the day, it's, it's, it's a good day. If you took away those trout cod that we caught, in the upper Bidgee. Oh, we've only caught a bugger all caught up there. You, like, I, I, I did, I, like I said, I did that May drift, um, and we did, we did catch, we did catch two cod, and they were one, one it's was very high, rare. One was a high eighty, um, and the other one was probably about a seventy-five model. But that was two. That would have been out of the three people fishing, two cod. Yeah. The rest of them were surprisingly enough hog, hog yellers. Ooh, yeah, trannies. big yellows, big yellows. Big yellows or Big yellows you'll still catch in winter, surprisingly. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't go out just to target them. You'd want to God be targeting no. cod and then happen to hook a yellow. Yeah. But yeah, a two to three, if you can get two hits, you're looking good. So that's your mindset for winter, right? Don't, don't go out that's there expecting your you're going to go out and get the same numbers. No. But when we talk about getting that in contact with that one or two fish, now, you, you know, to keep you motivated, that one fish that you might get, it, it's it chances are it's a donkey you mm. know so so every single cast that you place you sit there and think in your mind this is this is the cast that could mm-hmm. get hammered by that meter fish and you just have to grind you mm-hmm. just have to sit there and just keep casting and you could have good days you could get five hits you could and there's obviously days where you get nothing mm. you get a good barometer and everything the moon lights up you, you, you could, might you could get a yeah Absolute cracker. Now, the other thing with winter is usually, especially the Murray, the Bidgee, the Lachlan, any irrigation rivers, and also your creeks, um, it could happen too, is 
because of irrigation, the rivers go low, mm. right? They're much lower than they are in summer, these larger rivers. So we've also got different flows. So now we have low exposed timber, heaps of casting options and slow moving water, which is really good because you actually get down to the big fish. And that's another big contributor, I think, mm. to getting big fish in winter is you can actually get down to them, whereas in yeah. summer you cannot get a lure to them. So now we've got less flow. Mm. So that's another thing with winter, less flow is good. If you happen to get a rise, so I want to talk about now, um, okay, actually let's just touch on some lures and tactics. Yeah. First of all, I would say you retrieve where you would want to be a little bit slower. You don't want to be racing it through. I find myself in summer sometimes doing some pretty quick retrieves, get reaction bites. It's really active and fun. Yeah. And in winter, I have to talk myself, nah, let's just slow roll all the way back to the rod tip if I'm on the bank, yeah. which is very rare, or in the boat, rolling it all the way back to the boat. So slow is key. Now, when it comes to how many casts do you put on a log, there's big arguments there's, there's, for and against for this. Yeah. What would I'll tell you what I would do. What would you do? Would you prefer to pepper a log and get one to bite, or would you do you find it it's better to just fish like you do normally, cover lots of water and try and find that hungry fish? I'll slow my retrieve. I'll definitely slow my retrieve down, like you said, in comparison to summer retrieves. Like I can sit there and pepper in a few casts, and like I'll bring them back quite yeah. erratically and fast. But in wintertime, I will still slow my retrieves down. In mm -hmm. regards to the number of casts I place to that structure, I don't think I change. Mm. If, if there's an active... Do you reckon that's changed over the last five years? No, yeah, it was. back in the it day? It was, because we were conditioned to think that you could annoy a cod into eating. And that we used to do that. I wrote, I think I've written an yeah. article. I've written it somewhere and I've said, in winter it goes from 10 casts to 50 casts. I don't believe as much in that anymore. Nah, I... Like, well... I don't think you can annoy a fish into eating. No, I, I've tried. I, 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 there's, there's been, I've said this a thousand times, I've had logs that I've, I've fished um, up near Collingully on the Murrumbidgee River where I know there is a big cod there. I, I, I've, I've, I've bumped into him two or three times. The last time I saw him, he ate, one of a, he ate a smaller cod I had on the end of my rod. Mm. And I've tried to catch that fish and I've put 50, 60, 70 casts, changed lures, changed the hard bodies, changed the bait. And I can't get that bastard to bite. Mm. So I, instead of sitting there and going, oh, I th and that's a fish I know that's there, rather than sitting there and going, I'm going to pepper this log for 200 casts, I'd prefer to put, you know, put my eight casts in maybe, 10 casts in different angles if I don't get a hit. And then 10 casts is a lot, especially where we fish, because we've constantly got flying water. You know, put your five or six casts in your major areas and keep moving until I find an active fish. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way to go in winter, is just continue to fish the amount of casts you would do all the time. So like you said, probably maybe two casts to the same spot, but I rarely put a cast to the exact same spot. It might be a foot to the right, foot to the left. The only time I will cast or spot more than once is if I'm fishing very close to the to the edge when I've got flowing water. Mm. So some of the spots we have have a bit of flow. Yeah. And if it's like a dead set, a eight second cast and retrieve, then I might put it back in there if it's key. Mm. Um, but just differ the angle. But yeah, depending on the log, some logs yeah. could be massive and have it, 20 awesome good spots. Yeah. You might need 20 or 30 casts. If it's an elaborate sort of structure, then you have to sit there and search it out every pot. Yeah, obviously you're gonna, you're gonna place more casts, but if I had a very standard lay down on a deep angle with a fork on it, you know, I might place five at the front and I may, may place another three or four in the Y behind it. Yeah. I probably might even place one at the back as one I'm drifting back. away. Yeah. Other than that, 
I, I won't sit there and go, oh, I know there's a fish there. I'm going to rip holes in it until the bark falls yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, that's not, that's not it. how it works. It's, and you, you will have more success if you just continue to find that mm. hungry fish because yeah. it's will about be covering there. the water. Yeah. So in the winter, just continue to fish, but slow your retrieve down so it matches what's going on. Yep. If you race it through too quick, that's because like, huh? That's not natural. Once again, it's, 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 it, they, are, they are cold fish. They are, they are hungry, but they have to weigh up whether or not it's worthwhile running that, that item down. Yeah. So what's a couple of lures that you would choose, brands and models that you would choose? Like if, for me, I'd be using bigger spinnerbaits. Yeah. Um, I, when we fish in some of the sections we fish in, what I do is I just use the same standard 5 8 ounce because we don't want it to be too heavy because the water is actually very shallow, much yeah. shallower than normal. And I just add a big plastic and a stinger hook. And then the other option I run is a big quad spin with a one ounce head, but because it's a quad spin with Slows big blades, it, it sinks slower and then it has the ability because it's built bigger, it's got a bigger hook and a big plastic on it. Mm. Um, they're those, obviously any big top water paddler that's yep. over 150 odd mil. Yep. And then a big hard bodies above 100 mil, but what what's a couple of models that you would go with? Um, top water wise, I, I still use my 100 mil strike force buff baits, but in winter time now, I've, um, I've sort of started going towards 150 mil double jointed. They're a pretty like with the painted bib and with the tail. They you know if you kept the plastic tail on it, it's probably a thirty-five centimeter bait. Mm. Um, they make a heck of a racket. Um, big hardware, which is what I like coming into winter time. I want I want something with decent hooks. They're one o one o Shinto hooks. They're they're built like a tank. Mm-hmm. Good hooks and rings. Big action. Um, spinner baits, a bit like you. Um, I run the edges. Uh, they're one ounce, aren't they? Uh, well, they've got a three quarter ounce and a five eight ounce now. Three quarter. But they've yeah. still got a large. They've got a big hook on them. Like I don't run stingers, and a lot of people don't be wrong. A lot of people do, and they love them. But I hate them in, in casting into the real heavy timber where we are. Especially because if we've got current, it's hard for us to get back up. Mm-hmm. So they've got a big seven o hook on them. And so you know they're they're a decent size hook, big plastic. And you know, in winter time, if I've got slower water, I'll go to the big twin spin, the big double Colorado twin spins. A lot of flash, very slow sink rate, really get the attention of those fish. Hard body wise, um, ACs, 120 mils. Yeah, 120 is a good size. They're a good size. They're, they're, they're still good to cast. Um, White Crow, 130 mil warthogs. That's a good size lure for yeah. winter. Yeah. The, hun- the 100 mil strike force lures, they're not too bad. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I, I do occasionally use my eighty mils if I'm you know if I'm further up the the catchment at the Bidgee where there's a lot of yellows. Yeah, yes. You, you'll still you'll still get them on that, especially if the water temperature rises during the day. But if you you know your larger profiles are probably where to go. Yep. Um, so you just want to upsize. Upsize yeah. everything. Some of your hard bodies though, you can still get away with smaller ones because they have that big thump to them. Yeah. So that's where you can get away with it. But yeah, upsize lures is key. Yep. Slow your retrieve down, but yep. don't double or triple the amount of cast you put in no. and keep covering water. Now, some of the issues that we can come into in winter, What? let's first talk about what's prime conditions to look for in winter mm. and what's the issues that we can run into weather-wise and effects yep. of the river because winter seems to be a time of year that for us, if something goes wrong in the catchment or the river, it just wipes out the whole winter yeah. or half the winter. In, in our catchment. And it's happened yeah. so many times. The Murray River, it doesn't happen just as much. It, no. it, it has its issues and then it cleans up. So conditions for winter for myself, I would prefer, I, I love overcast conditions sometimes, but in winter I'd prefer High barometer, consistent high barometer, sunny, cool yep. days. 
so warm days, cool nights, really, really cold conditions, but sunny and calm because that then gives you a high barometer yeah so that usually comes with a high barometer it's still there's nothing worse than fishing in wind and rubbish Rain. weather it's crap. in winter but also the, the the sun brings a bit of warmth to the water so it raises that temperature especially in that afternoon bite yeah i like some consistent warm weather consistently high barometer still glassed out uh they're the conditions i like in winter the middle of the day can be tough Mm. But you will get that bite period morning and afternoon. Yeah, so absolutely. You, you just want to fish right throughout the day because you will get them. Some people prefer to fish the sunny areas in the winter time because there's warmer water. I, I, I haven't had success doing that in that period of the sun here. I actually haven't caught that many fish in the full sun. I nah. still pick the shade. But where I do get success is on the banks that have had sun all day. That's where I and think And then they get the best shade places. in the afternoon. Yeah. So that... Those areas, those clay walls or rock walls, and it doesn't just go for you know rivers. It goes for impoundments. It's the same thing. If you if you have that area which is hit by the sun the longest amount of time throughout the day, that water adjacent that area is generally one or two degrees warmer, and it'll stay warmer throughout the night. So those clay edge, big clay banks, especially the big towering ones, um, they absorb heat, and you know around those a meter or two around that edge will stay warm. So. It's a really, really good place to surface fish just on dark too. Um, you'll have fish with a high, um, you know, higher body temperature, much more active, and it's a good place to start. Uh, for me, when it comes down to conditions I like for wintertime fishing, I love a frost in the morning because you generally get a nice clear day. Yeah, clear and calm. Yeah, so if you sit there and you're forecasting a, a week's worth of frosts, for me, that's that's the go time. Do you remember that minus three degree morning? That, that, was, stu <laughs> that was stupid. Now, I'm talking about a that was trip about five years ago, and Chris remembered it instantly as soon as I said it. It was the first time I met Jack, uh, yep. a social team member, and we were fishing, and I've, I've, I've never experienced that cold on a river. Uh, on a I river. Blaring, I have. Blaring. Yeah. But I was not prepared for that amount of It was of cold, cold. <laughs> eh? So it was like minus three or something, but heading up the river, you'd cast and your reel was freezing up. Oh, it's freezing up. But how was the afternoon? The afternoon was pristine. Like, it was glassed yeah. out. Beautiful day. How Once, many fish did we catch that trip? Not a touch. Not a touch. <laughs> <laughs> three, three of us cast and not a touch. So the issue there was... There was slightly high, dirty water, yeah. uh, but we just wanted to give it a crack to see our expectations were low, and yeah, it just didn't. By the end of it, we were cast to see The water was a lot higher than it should be for winter, but that was the kind of day that you expect something to happen. Plus, yeah. we had to come home slightly earlier than we would have liked. Um, if you could fish through till sunset, that would yeah. be the go, especially in the wintertime, but that, that was cold. So they're the conditions you're up against. Yeah, you want, you want, and that's the thing. A lot of people sit there and go, oh, you know, minus three in the morning, and they'll go. God, it was cold. But the thing is that you don't, don't, I don't know, a lot of people, if you wake up in the morning and go, I might go for a fish today, and you open up your front door, and you'll, you'll turn around and do, you know, a 360 and go back home. Um, you have to sit there and go, right, tomorrow is going to be cold, and you have to be prepared. So make sure you've got good thermals on. I like to wear thigh waders to keep my legs warm. Um, you know, good jacket that's not too bulky, so you're comfortable when you're casting, which is important. Yeah, if you have the right gear, it's, it's not that bad. No. Except for your hands, even with gloves, sometimes you've got to take them off. Yeah. And your neck, If one thing that's a killer is wind going down your neck. So get one of those neck socks, yep. get off those warm ones. Yep. And your face is really all that cops it, unless it's really windy. 
wind can just cut through your gear if you don't have the right yeah, gear. If, if you don't, if a lot of people will sit there and they'll layer up like seven or eight layers of clothing. You know, by the by the end of it, you look like the Michelin man. That's you know, me. you've got you've got to if you've got to be prepared. <laughs> I look like that. You've got to be prepared. Nothing, nothing is. There's nothing fun about wearing twelve layers of clothing. It is if you have no body fat. Like if you've got no body fat it. and you look like a fucking gecko. Yeah, but for me, like I sit there and like I've I've recently invested in a a Catman Do fleece lined waterproof windproof jacket. Yeah, it hurt to pay for it. But it's been the best investment ever because it's lightweight. I can cast with it. I'm not wearing 19 layers. Yep. Um, and that's a that's a big thing. You got to be comfortable when you're fishing because if you're not comfortable and you're not when you're fishing, you're not catching fish. I guarantee you, you won't do it the next day. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it's a, it's a. But you've got to push through it. If you've got the right gear, you've got to work. You got to push through those cold periods to get your fish. If you if you're going to walk out the front turn and go, nah, not today. Well, this no, kind you, of fishing you, you, isn't for you. It isn't for you. This no. is a, this is definitely one of those things and. You know, it's it's one of those things when you sit there and you fish and you fish and you fish and, you know, you, you battle through it and it's one of those, you, you hook onto a decent-sized cod, you took on that, you know, that big metery, all the rest of it's gone, all mm. the rest of it's forgotten. Mm. Um, and that's why we do it. That's why we're Murray Cod Anglers. So, yeah, so I guess pre-warning, if, if you don't like getting cold and don't like slogging through long hours without a fish, probably go watch the footy or, mm. you know, go chase a trout. Yeah, yeah. So... Well, that's to be cold then too, but yeah. <laughs> you'll catch more <laughs> you'll fish. You'll catch more fish. But so as a summary of what we talked about, mornings and afternoons, try your top water, yeah. try fishing your inside bends, your reedy areas. Mm. That will bring success on some big active fish. Once the sun gets up, then go back to your heavy timber. Yeah. Fish the sun, fish the shade, fish it all, fish whatever timber comes across, mm. fish the bigger timber, right? Fish the big logs. It, it, it still is a thing that the big structure is where the big fish are. You will find some big ones on smaller timber here and there, but they'll either be out hunting on random spots, on the flats, in the reeds, or they'll be sitting on big stuff. Leave your small stuff alone. Yeah. Don't waste your time casting at your little timber. Find your big stacks, your deeper pockets, yeah, the only other where there's a bit of flow yeah. moving in. Just slow off the edge of the fast flow, in yep. that slow flow, wherever you got that. You can tell when the river gets low in winter where the big fish are going to be. Concentrate on them. So fish a big log. If you've got three little rubbish things, just keep going past. This yep. is the middle of the day I'm talking once the sun's up. Yep. Pepper them. The only exception to the rule I'd say to that is if you find bait. Yes, yes, if you find bait. If you find, if you find bait and you find Sitting active, somewhere. active fish, whether it be sun-baking carp or scored-up bony brim, Stick with your bait, yeah. you know, and even throughout the night, if you remember where those fish were sitting, go back to that area, yeah, and really give that a peppering. But like Reese said, yeah, just work on your big stuff. So you're paying, you're paying your percentages. Look for the best bits of key structure and just pepper them and throw big lures. Yeah, absolutely, and throw big lures. Okay, so that's that's a summary of that. Conditions we like is those calm, warm, those warm days. We get like those. 14, 15 degree days, yep. but then your minuses or your zeros at night, but that mm. gives you calm weather, the fish are going to be more active. Now, the things that can throw it out, right? The things that really kill winter fishing, and that's when we it, it really makes it almost impossible. Yeah. There's a few different things. First one is dirty water, yep. which then comes with the second thing, which is a higher river than usual, unstable mm. river. Yep. Um, and there is, oh, yeah, so dirty water, which is your clarity and your water flow, so it's a bit higher. So they're the two things that kill it for me and your yeah. bad conditions that come through. And I even talked to Lubin in, I don't know if it was in the episode or not, 
but he as well will postpone trips or move trips if the water changes. So something that's huge with fishing is stability with cod. Cod loves stability. They don't, they don't like really big changes in the environment. No, no, they don't. And it needs to, and my rule of thumb of stability for them is over a week, a week to 10 days of the same thing. And then that's good. So for example, we fished on the river in winter. We're going back when we did it quite a lot, about three or four years ago, when we did have good conditions. Now I, we went on a session, I think it was end of April. Uh, the river was higher than perfect like we like it really low because yeah. the fishing's insane the river was still a bit higher it was consistent though at 16 degrees it was when we went on that drift with jack and stumpy in one boat you and i yeah we went on a fly so the river was still up a bit because we were able to get through it had a little a little bit of color to it yeah a little bit not too much it was quite clear mm. but it was stable at mm. a certain height right so this is a bit higher than than prime right it was stable and i think I think the water, that's a lie, the water was, the water was cooler. So the water was about 14 degrees, mm. I think. So the water was cooler, so it was 14 degrees, but it was stable for over a week, 10 days. Yeah. We had insane fishing. That was nuts. Two weeks later, the water dropped to what we prefer. The water actually warmed up a little bit because of the weather. But because we went within three days of this change, the water was 16 degrees, it was lower, should have been better, it wasn't. They did because nothing. It, because it was, they didn't do nothing, but it wasn't great. It wasn't that great. But it was because it was within three or four days of this change and the stability was ruined. Now, if they had, if they had the both had, if those both situations had 10 days of stability, the second would have fished better. Yeah. So when it comes to the rivers, if you get a heap of rain, if the river comes up and rises, if you get dirty colored water, I know it's a big killer on the Murray, I know it definitely is on the BG2. Until you get to areas that are always dirty, in terms of dirty water, if you want to really understand dirty water and how to fish it, go and listen to, I think it's the second episode we did together. Mm. Not sure which number it was, but it's about fishing in dirty water and yeah. tough conditions. Yeah. We really go in depth there. So I mean, we're not going to go in depth here. But for winter, it, it's almost a trip killer if you do get a rise, which can come from dam releases like yeah. environmental flows, which do help the ecosystem, but they can ruin the fishing. Oh yeah, they'll, they, they've got, the fish have got to move off their logs. They've got to, they've got to shift and change with the dropping or rising water. Um, they become unstable. You'll either get a rise or like nine times out of 10 in winter time, it's a drop in water temperature. So it's a massive shock to their system. Mm -hmm. It displaces a lot of bait, a lot of food. And rather than them becoming active, don't get me wrong, if you, have, if you happen to have a rise, the coming of the rise, if there's water coming down a system and, it's, it's, and, they, and they can feel it, for example, for Wagga, it takes about three days from Burrinjuk. If they let a release out then and you've got a rise coming through, maybe a day before it hits, a it's fantastic. A but once that, that, that rise has gone through, those fish will shut down for an yeah. X period time. And they and shut down. They, 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 and you can, you can look at the waterway and go, you know, it doesn't look that bad. But they become so tight-lipped. Don't they? They just... It's and a waste of And time. you wait four, five, six days, and then all of a sudden you'll start getting low numbers and you'll start getting fish until that, that waterway plateaus and stables and the water temperature stabilises and the water height stabilises and clarity stabilises. So, yeah. And in winter, you need a longer time for stabilising because they're more shut down. So, you need like two weeks. 
Yeah. Um, well, that's, at the moment now, that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been waiting for the better part of three weeks for this river to stabilise. It seems every time we start to get to a point where it's starting to look okay, we are getting a rise and it's stuffing everything up. So a lot of the times when you get a rainfall, it's little bits of rain won't hurt it. No. It's when you get a big dump of rainfall. So I think, so if, say for example, even on the Murray, the Murray's a big water system. Yeah. The rain that they got in Victoria, northeast Victoria, that flowed through the Murray only a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, it has ruined the Murray because the Murray went higher, huge flow through it, dirty as. Yeah. So that's enough to ruin it. Like we're talking, depends on your catchment. If you've got a small creek, a small river, 20 mil could ruin it, 25 mil of rain could ruin it. Yeah. The bidgee, it needs to be about 50 mil. And it the, needs to be. I think. I think it's. It's when it falls quick. I think and the, flows. the hard thing about the last two seasons that we've had, we're coming off the back of a very, very, very long drought. Not to mention, we've also had bushfires last summer. So, what happened? We had with the drought. The hills around the top of our catchment were basically bare. There was mm-hmm. nothing there. So every time we got a rain, a whole heap of sediment and topsoil flowed into our river system. Now, filthy. It's, it's either got to be pushed down through current, or it's got to settle. Um, at the present time, it. I don't yeah, think we, it pushes through. We, hey, I, well, when I, it's low, I, I think to a degree it shifts. It, like if if it's going to clear, it has to. They have to open up water for it to clear. Yeah, down. exactly. Yeah, that has to clear it down, or it has to settle. We haven't had that. Isn't so that every, annoying? Every time we get this tiniest amount of rise through rainwater, and it used to be, if you went back to say 2016, 2015, 2014. Man, we had nice green pick on the hills. It wasn't too bad. If we got a rain, the river would be dirty for maybe a week or two weeks. Now, it seems to be if we get a rise, yeah. it's like six weeks. And now that the bushfires have come through. It's and it, killed it. And the ash that we have coming through, uh, Tarkata Creek, Avalon, Avalon Creek, Creek, Yavin Yavin, soon as they flow, and, you know, the, the, the stuff, the chemicals and the ash that come in through them, let alone is enough to shut down a system. Mm. So... At the present time, we're, we're, we're in a real sort of a bind. So the hills are starting to get a bit of green pick on them now. There's not as much influence of dirt flowing in, but we still have a lot of stuff moving down our system. And, yeah, I think it's a case of we, you know, we, this winter, I know for the Bidgee, or in my stretch anyway, the window for fishing is looking narrow and narrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this, we, I know we reference the Bidgee all the time, but most rivers throughout the country, because of the drought, will be feeling the effects of all 100%, this. 100%. All this topsoil is flowing. Yeah. yeah, so the drought's bad, but if you had fire in the air, so the Upper Murray, the Murray and Bidgee are probably the two ones that are really feeling it. Yeah. Um, I think that would be it for big cod rivers. Well, that's um, basically the mouths of two of the largest rivers in the catchment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Up so, near Tintaldra sort of way, where all that charcoal pushed, those rivers were black. Mm, so that's that's a huge effect on it. So at the minute what's happened is we've got this sediment running in. It's really bad. But what happens is, is once it hits the river, we have noticed over the last year that it's not settling. And no. because there's no flow... The water's not going anywhere. So it's almost like we need the rain to flush it through, but we need rain on the vegetated ground, not on dirt, on like dirt, because it doesn't do anything. So back in the day when it was dirty, it wasn't too dirty. And and it cleared. cleared, But now it's just sitting, and and it might be an issue in a lot of other waterways as well throughout, you know, the whole country. Did you have a look at... You've just got this chocolate, and it really is affecting the fish. Our fishing rate catch rate is gone down really bad last last year i did a drift on the murrumbidgee 
Um, we had high, the same thing, but when the rain came down last year, um, it, we had a whole heap of topsoil, like Jugion, Gundagai area, top of the catchment. All those hills were just red. There was not a speck of grass on them. When all that sediment flowed into the system, as soon as we get rain, the powers be look at that water coming into the system and go, right, we don't need any water to come out of the dams. This water here can just naturally flow down. So they shut the gates. So what happens, like I said, the water either has to be, the dirty water has to be either cleared down or it settles. So we had four weeks and the water still hadn't cleared. And I drove all the way up the gun to go at the top of the system. All the rocks at the rock or the, the gravel runs, all the shallow water, had about a mil and a half of sediment over the top of the rock. You touched it. And it just pulled up. And yeah. it can, so what happens? That's what's happening even if the Even if you get clean water released from the dams now. Slow clean water. It just yeah, yeah, yeah. stuffs everything. So it needs to have water behind it We probably need it an environmental flush to literally After clean it. it all out. But anyway. Yeah, so that's, that's just an issue. We won't touch on that, but... That's all of an issue that can happen. So it, depending on the catchment, the waterway you're in this winter, depending yeah. on where you're fishing, just watch your rain flow. And if your river goes dirtier than usual, expect tough conditions. Still yeah. give it a crack, see if it works. But if you don't get fish, don't be surprised. And I no. know a lot of anglers don't fish while it's dirty. And it can take two to three weeks to clear up, but everywhere's different. And the way things are going at the minute, uh, the bidgey isn't clearing up at all. No. The Murray will clear up, fingers crossed. It depends on how bad uh, the water coming out of the upper Murray is. Mm. But I know that the area that was burnt it was a big area, um, but there's still got a lot of green there now. So in terms of the Murray, but it runs into Hume and then it comes out yeah. of the bottom of so Hume. It, it so it has time to settle. It, it has, yeah, it has that water and then it goes through Mawala. So yeah, the Murray will clear up, but that's, that's, that's something that can knock around targeting big, big fish uh, for sure. In terms of months, we're looking at June, July, August. Do you see the winter as like a sort of a, a graph of, you know, it fishes well and then it gets tough when it's really cold and then it picks up again at the end? Month-wise, what's, yeah, what's your go-to month? Oh. May would be my pick right now. The end of May uh, would be my pick or early June. If the conditions were right now, it'd be perfect. Yes. Now it'd be absolute because you've, you've got nice warm afternoons, freezing cold mornings, top water in the morning would be absolute dynamite. The water warms up enough so... You know, that doesn't shut the fish down completely and they're still pretty active. Mm -hmm. Then you start going from June, July. I reckon July, uh, like end of June, start July is probably my hardest time. Mm -hmm. um, and then what you happen to do is... But you can still get some monster oh, you, fish. You, you, you don't get as many, but the ones you get in those cold, like those bitterly cold days... Are big. Are absolute donkeys. Like yeah. really, some of the... And you won't encounter them as much frequency as you will in summer. Mm -hmm. No way in the world. If you had to sit there and put the hours in to catch the size of the fish you get in winter time in summer I, I i know it's a lot more between between big fish but in summertime it'd be even longer mm -hmm. the only difference is that we'd have smaller fish intermittently between those big fish plus another thing with summer summer is so hard to fish and the days are so long yep. and if you want to fish the morning bite and the arvo bite you got to do two separate trips or slog it out for 12 hours yeah, well, the thing is, it's these, so far apart those, those bigger fish and you'll find it those those really big donkey fish in summertime you won't you won't as now, frequently get them in the middle of the day. Whereabouts in winter time, especially if you've got a nice cold day or an overcast or a foggy day, you, you've got the possibility of those fish will come up and cram you during the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. worries at all. And the other thing with winter is the sun only rises and sits low in the sky and then sets. So you've got yeah. this 
more of a lower light rather than Twilight this higher penetrating yep. light. And the day's shorter. So you can fish a morning session, fish through the day, fish the afternoon, and you're, you're only starting at 6.30 and finishing at 5 mm. rather than starting at 4.30 and finishing at 9. Like, yeah. It's so much easier on us too. Even though it's freezing cold, it might not seem easier. Easier fishing is April. Yeah. Like It's like April. Awesome. But winter time, middle of winter, that's it, it is hardest and then once you get to august it warms up a bit and they'll start to you'll start to see more activity yeah all the food and you'll see the smaller fish start to come up but if you are targeting those monsters june july august all three are good yeah absolutely now i very the exciting thing about it is that during those times of year especially if i'm fishing in boat i don't i very very rarely take off a top water or nine times out of you 10, leave I'm, one on 100 percent because it's that's the thing you get a good you get a a nice shady pocket in behind, you know, a tree or a big log. You know, there is every single chance that big fish could come out in the middle of the day and just absolutely jam you, especially if you've got a, a nice foggy morning that carries on till 12 o'clock in the day, which can happen, or an overcast day. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's just amazing fishing. And there's something, there's something about it that's just absolutely magical, drifting down the cold morning. And every Top cast water. you just go... There's, I'm just going to get monstered here. Yeah, like, even if you don't, it does end up happening. It's a good Absolutely. Feeling. And that's the thing. Like, there's these guys will be sitting there and they'll probably do a morning's worth of casting and go, no, oh, this isn't for me. But for those guys who have been out there and done it um, and have reaped the rewards of, you know, freezing hot, cold hands in the water holding the jaws of an absolute donkey, which is, a, like I said, one fish a day. That's good odds in anyone's book, in my, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an amazing feeling getting those big fish, and because the water's generally a lot clearer, you get that big visual fight, and you see them come up, and yeah, it's just it's a really nice time of year of fishing. And if you're fishing a smaller river or a small creek, it's probably going to be a little bit tougher. The water'll be cooler, yeah. And if if your fish aren't as big, they'll shut down. So your smaller ones will still shut down. Anything over eighty, you may find. And they may start to pop up in those smaller waterways, those 80 centimetre, 90 centimetre fish, but there won't be many of them in small creeks. No. So this is more of a bigger river kind of technique. So you're looking at some of your major rivers in the New England, northern New South Wales, your Guida, those bigger, larger ones, the Namoy yep. and things like that. Um, and then you've got the Lachlan. So the Macquarie is quite a small river. Um, there are some big fish through there, but it is smaller. The Lachlan's a good big fish yeah, waterway. That, oh, the Bidgee is a good system when it's not filthy. Uh, and the Murray is your ideal. The Goulburn River in Victoria is another one uh, that's worth fishing. And also the lower part of the ovens yep. as well, but there's not as many big fish in there either. Um, but the Murray River is really the actual go-to when it that's, comes to that's rivers. That's the honey hole when it comes down to those big cod. And, yeah, just good conditions, great places to fish, and, and absolute dinosaurs come out and hunt in wintertime. Mm, exactly. So if you are keen on uh, chasing big, big fish, uh, definitely give it a crack in winter. Mm, fish hard, fish hard. hard, and don't expect it to happen straight away. You've got to put in the hours. And the Murray is a place that would be worth visiting. Now, another thing, guys, before we finish up, I just want to mention, if you don't already know, the Social Fishing membership, uh, inside it we have updated reports. So we have reports on, I know this is all about rivers, but we have rivers coming soon. But we've got a whole heap of lake systems where we will have updated reports. So as Chris and I have been talking here, we're talking about the colour in the river system, the yep. Bidgee, we'll be sharing that kind of info and you'll have local anglers from those other areas. So say areas we don't know about 
yielding, Mawela, things like that with updated reports on, hey, nah, it's no good this week, water's yep. dirty, give it another week. So it's just handy information that'll help you guys yep. and there's so much more in the membership. So go check it out. We've built it to help you guys catch more fish, Absol give you guys information. And it's not, And it's not something that's written a month beforehand and printed and stuck in a magazine. Mm. This is stuff we are recording now so you know if we were gonna go fish this weekend. You can check the report. This is up to date. What's happening now it is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, so just worth a look at that. But guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Chris, thanks very much for sharing no those worries, tips man. on winter cod. Uh, hopefully you guys picked up some information from this. It was very broad sort of, it's very hard because different waterways are different. They do. Um, there's a lot of different techniques, but that's a very more the, the, the set rules uh, how you could get out there and do it if you've never done it before. Yeah. Kind of those are the lures you want to run with, you know, bigger lures. And you've probably heard all that before, but it is important. And also the thing about still covering water, but yeah. fishing your lures slower. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then also what the fish do and what and how they behave. So if you've never targeted winter cod before, if this is new to you, hopefully you pick something up from this. But absolutely. I appreciate your time, Chris. It was good to do another episode. Thanks you, man. That's um, been great. It was good. Hope to see you in the water. And there you have it, guys. Another awesome episode with Chris. It was great to sit back down and do another episode talking about winter cod tactics. There's plenty you can grab from that podcast. And as always, I really do enjoy sitting down and recording these episodes for you guys. It's super exciting. The podcast is just a good medium, a good way that we can reach you. And the feedback we have been getting over the past few weeks has just been incredible. You guys are absolutely loving it. And when the podcast is a little bit delayed, it's even better to get messages from you guys going, hey, where's this week's fishing fix especially during the lockdowns and now that we're out of the lockdowns we can get back out and fish again and you guys can put the things we talked about in these podcasts to use but we will continue to produce them we've got some really cool anglers lined up uh, like I said the next guest interview is going to be very exciting it's the next podcast to come out so probably next week's uh, it will be out very soon and it is an awesome episode to listen to so that next guest interview uh, I'm super pumped to share with you but then we've all also got some other awesome anglers lined up uh, into the future. So we're going to put them together and bring them out. Now, we've been getting good feedback from you guys about what kind of content you would like. So please continue to share it with us. Please let me know what you want, uh, what kind of content you want. And as always, if you enjoyed the podcast, just screenshot it and tag us, post it on your Instagram story, share it on social media platforms and make sure you leave a like and review on the podcast apps that you listen to this on. Guys, once again, thank you very much much and I do just want to touch on again as a reminder those social fishing maps you can go learn more about them you can send me an email if you have any questions if you fish a specific waterway and you really want that waterway on there send it through and let me know the more feedback we get on what areas you guys want we might bring forward and do them over other areas and obviously if you're not in an area where those few lakes are located then there's probably not a heap of content in it yet for you but if you let us know where you fish and what maps you want and where you want reports from, we will put that together so then we can help you guys. We want to try and cover a good area of New South Wales, Victoria, and we want to even go into southern Queensland. Everywhere you can find cod, trout, redfin, bass, the whole lot, golden perch, we want to cover those areas. Guys, so just let us know and that obviously the social fishing maps are available on our website. Go check them out. All right, guys. Thank you very much once again for tuning in. This was episode 36. I had a ball. It was great to have Chris on. I want to thank him very much and thank you guys for tuning in to the Social Fishing Podcast.